0: Welcome to Questions We're Afraid to Ask. All right. Welcome back. Uh, I, I'm i excited today uh, because I found something last night. And so I have a question, which is what's next? What now? What do we do? Um, I think we, we, we saw it to come out recently in the proceedings of the Royal Society a They found some evidence of giant sloth bones that were tooled and worked by people in Brazil 25, 27,000 years ago. Um, And so I think the peopling of America that we were taught. Yeah, the 10,000
1: year old ice bridge. And that's the only time that people came over here. And yeah. they, they, they took forever to get into Central and South America and is just wrong. Is
0: wrong. And so I think I think that means you know, the idea of you know the Mayans being way older than they actually are. Like could you know, that those societies could have been built upon much yeah. longer lines of time than yeah. we gave them.
1: Yeah, or at least the Olmecs, because we we know we know a lot of people. Move that's what I meant. The, uh, yeah, um, and and that's that's stupid, it's stupidly confusing too. Which is it is the Aztecs, the Mayans, or the, and then there's the Olmec culture, which we don't know hardly anything about. Right, and they shoot as far as we know, they could have built all the stuff, and everybody else just moved into it. Right. Yeah. Um. And and there's some, and there's also throughout. I'm not going to get into all the weird details, but throughout Central and South America, there have been weird, random artifacts found that people were like, well, people weren't here, so they couldn't have done it, right? Yeah. Um, So, but now we have, and the article I read was from the Smithsonian, polished and drilled sloth bones, giant sloth bones specifically.
0: That's what Uh, I've got pulled up. Up here for you. This is one of them, and my my first thought was, "Look how how almost perfect that circle looks." And like that gets a it's, lot of work. It's really and and the uh, the next one is the one that actually blew me away. It was this one, and because he, if you look at, I went in too far. It's not that angle. Where is it? Is it this one? Yeah, 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 look there at we go. look at that. <laughs> and that looks like a tube drill.
1: I have actually done a little bit of work with bone um and and making like knife handles and some of the bushcraft stuff yeah. and things like that. And I wanted to see how hard it would be to take um a a modern um, leg bone of a deer yeah. and turn it into like a bone knife. And I was using modern tools like A belt sander and, Mm -hmm. you know, uh, grinder wheels and and steel made stuff. And and it was very labor intensive and very difficult and very hard to do with power, Mm -hmm. electric equipment and modern steel. Uh, And it it still didn't come out anywhere near as good as what what this stuff is looking like. Um, So working bone isn't easy. Uh, because it chips and it cracks, and and for people who don't understand what goes into it, and I'm not sure if this would require it, but it probably would. Before I could even begin to work the bone, I had to soak the bone in water for like mm. twelve or twenty four hours to make it pliable, so it wouldn't shatter.
0: Yeah, because it's brittle,
1: right? And man, and so look at how clean that's that amazing. circle is, man. Look at the polishing. Look at the look at the. I know
0: it's, it's reflecting light. It's shiny polished. Like I mean, my thought was, my my first thought was, wow, that's amazing. And then I went, it's interesting. And then I and my, then I immediately went to, oh, this was a badge of pro- we killed a sloth, a giant sloth. Because I was thinking, man, those things must have been hard to bring down because they were huge. So this one must have been like a hunter's badge of honor of like you know you know if you like a big shark tooth or something like, like it's a you know we we took this thing down.
1: And I I want to give a little bit of perspective here because we're talking about human migration which doesn't happen fast, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't cross the land bridge and then hoof it for Brazil nonstop, right? <laughs> right. However, the first adventurer to complete the Argentina-Alaska Trek, by foot, uh, as a former British sailor named George Megan, and he did it in 1977, started it, and it took him 2,425 days to complete the 30,608-kilometer multi-part journey.
0: How, say how many days that was again?
1: 2,425.
0: Six and a, a little over six and a half years.
1: And that six. is, that was using wow. the Pan American Highway, which is a paved but he was just walked, road. But he was
0: just walking.
1: He walked it, but he also walked a cut paved road. <laughs>
0: Do you, which, was he walking a specific distance a day, or was he just going say. as long the blurb, as he could? The blurb I have, just it,
1: it just says multi-part journey, so he but did not a, do it all
0: in you one. Know,
1: it's it's like the people who do the Appalachian Trail, but they don't do it in one. Bit. They do a chunk, and then they go back the next year, and they do another chunk, and then they go back the next year, and they yeah. do another chunk. Um, but when you think about that, you're, you're we're talking 2,500 days to do it straight on a cut path. That is nothing compared to how long it would take to migrate down there. Uh yeah. in large I mean large, you might people you might having move to hunt for food and, and gather food and materials and stop for injuries and, and stop for people having babies and you know, that that's gonna be a much slower So they were there in Brazil twenty five thousand years ago. That means we got here a lot lot earlier than that.
0: All right, so here's oh. the next here's the next one. Oh, and so then the other thing that I, I wanted to that I also just came out this week, which I'll pull up here, which is from the US Department of the Interior, the Bureau of Land Management has new information on some stuff that was found in Oregon for eighteen thousand year old uh, occupation. So that's that's another new one. And what and then and then to go back again to the to this one. It was at the very end here, in the final remarks. Here we go. So, there. This is the 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 paper. Santa uh, Santana Alina, I guess, challenges the mainstream claims on the peopling of the America, um, and says that, you know, it was earlier than the last uh, global maximum. Uh, it agrees with the evidence reported from other sites that has human presence in America and then just calls out the list of all of them. The bluefish caves in Canada, white sands in New Mexico, the Galt site in Texas that we were yeah. talking about, the mammoth in New Mexico, the caves in Mexico. It calls out uh, some stuff in South America. There's chilling. And and, this, and they actually call out the Ceruti Mastodon, which is the which is the hundred and thirty thousand year ago mastodon that Which just that really look... blows the numbers way out the door. But but now now that number looks a lot more
1: realistic. Yes, because, it does. You know, how long would it take us to go as a as a hunter gatherer tribe assuming that that's what it is from Alaska to Brazil? I mean Well,
0: but see, my argument is now going to be that it needs to be flipped. And that we started at the bottom of South America and that we went north because we've got that connection between Australia and, and the, those aboriginal people of Australia and of Brazil just, being linked. That, and and this, this
1: brings up a question of mine is of, of just the people of the South Pacific in general. I mean the trips made by the boats and we're still not 100 percent sure how they did it. And then this again, yeah. I'm going to go back to the, the Homo floriensis, the the hobbit people who were on the islands, island of Florence, and we don't know how they got mm-hmm. there because it was never attached to any kind of land bridge. As far as we know, they say it's always been an island. So I, I, I really think this is more like reading a fantasy novel is how we should look at this. Um, the, there were hominids sailing around the oceans a lot earlier than we thought they were. You know, getting to places a lot earlier than we thought they did, and we know that like things as simple as reed reed boats made in Egypt can cross the Atlantic because they've done it.
0: They've done it. Whether the people
1: who did it at the time actually did it or not, the boat could handle it.
0: Right. Um, And uh, and and there's there's enough evidence. I you know just just the DNA evidence alone between Australia and and um, um, Asia. Well, I don't remember where it is, and it's in South America somewhere. Oh, I forget okay. exactly where it, it's in the um, the rainforest. It's, it's in As Brazil, the Amazon basin.
1: Yeah, some we'll those call two it connect those basin. Yeah,
0: those areas are connected genetically. Mm-hmm. So. So we have to have an answer to that question because it's nowhere else. It's just those two areas. So either they were at one point touching each other somehow and people walked the distance or there were boats. And, you know, Occam's razor, man, boats is so much easier than giant land masses moving. Well, let's, let's also
1: let's also take into account that we now know talking about boats. And, and, and structure building we now know okay. that Neanderthal had tar and was yes. using tar and and other binding methods to attach spearheads and uh, not long ago I Does watched it take a, a leap
0: to make boat man
1: well I was gonna say not long ago I watched a special on um, like uh, experimental archaeology and they were trying to say could we do this stuff with Stonehenge at the time that they think they built mm-hmm. it and they they built a boat that they had from that time frame, and they were using things like, you know, hemp and tar and um, just like beet moss and stuff dried to like fill in the cracks, and mm-hmm. it worked. You know, yeah. Um, so the the con and and when we think boat, we think giant sailing ship. Um. But there's
0: a. I think I think Moana, man, those little boats that they have. I haven't the, seen the, it yet. It, yeah, well, it's I, it's Polynesian. It's Polynesian, the Polynesian boats. style. Yeah, the, basically the,
1: the the canoes with the outriggers and the small sail, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, there's a, a there's little a movie platform. called um, it's either called Bully and Nate or Nate and Hayes, depending on which one. It's a Tommy Lee Jones' movie that he made okay. in, in the early '80s. Uh, and it's in, in the South Pacific, and um, mm-hmm. it, it's piratey times. But there's a scene where somebody has to leave an island, and they're in one of those little canoe-style boats. Right. And it's amazing to say, see the way that it's rigged up. Um, and he's going along, and he's going along, and he's going along. And it's just that scene pops into my head because there's one person laid back on in the middle of the Pacific on this very small, relatively small boat just flying mm-hmm. along. Praying you don't run into a, a storm and right. uh, you know, with a little bit of wind, those small sailboats, man, they can book.
0: They'll go. Um, yeah.
1: my my oldest took sailing lessons and they would get on these little sunfish things, which are very similar. They don't have an outrigger, but it's one of the smallest single person sailboats, and those things can fly across the water. Um so Yeah, especially
0: with a good breeze out on the open uh-huh. ocean. I'm sure you're you're yeah, cooking. But but that's that's the thing we've got to I think we've reached the point now I feel like this being in the royal proceedings of science feels and the Smithsonian large the Smithsonian's reporting on it on it. Yeah, it's on all the news stations like this feels like, okay, can we can we talk does that mean we can start like, does that mean that we have some precedent now to dig underneath the Native American stuff? Like, does this? Yeah, are we gonna and, change the If I, I understand, we, we, but like we the whole the story's got to change now.
1: I know, and 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 we're 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 handcuffed here in the Americas with the new law, and I don't know enough about it yet. It Was the one that passed in the nineties? And again, I do not say this out of any kind of disrespect for the native peoples. No, I wish I knew my culture. It got lost because it was not advantageous to be. A Native American in the 1900s, you know, in the in like 1901 or 1902. Mm-hmm. So my great great grandfather like burned the records and could pass as a white person. So they did, and you know, so that all all that heritage is lost. But where do we balance respect of culture with investigating of history? And I think that's a that's a that's a very good question and they dealt with that in the egypt special that we just watched both just watched on netflix um, it was
0: called unknown uh, the hidden lost pyramid hidden pyramid there the is like a buried pyramid they are hunting for they're hunting for an early pyramid in, they're in, in, in saqqara and they yeah. they've and so basically what's, what's happened is they had done one – the Netflix did another one, I want to say two years ago, that was mm-hmm. something like Inside Saqqara or something like that. Mm-hmm. It was That was also spectacularly good. Um, and this was sort of the next season or maybe it was two seasons after of that same crew. But mm-hmm. then they were also covering Zahi Hawass, who I'm not the biggest fan of, but is sort of the head of – you know, he is He's the legitimately godfather an amazing of- – Arche- archaeologist.
1: He, he's the godfather of Egyptian archaeology by yes. Egyptians. And I understand where he's coming from. Very because much. He's also talking about. I love the interviews with him because I've only ever seen him like in the Graham Hancock debates and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, look, as a child, I was disgusted by these foreigners coming in and pillaging mm-hmm. our culture and taking it yeah. away. And. I was like, okay, so he wants them all to be Egyptian, but then I realized, no, he just wants to train respectful archaeologists because right. his his grad student and assistant is an American from um, Hopkins I, University yeah. or, or something like that. So he's willing to work with other ones, but he's trying to grow homegrown Egyptian archaeologists. Well, and which I is also, important. but I th- the something point that I was you, getting to oh. the point I, the point I was getting to is they find a couple of mummies. In the, in the special. Mm-hmm. And one of them they take out because it's so well preserved. They want to look at how it's done. The other one they said there is no scientific knowledge we could get from this one because it has decayed. So mm-hmm. we are going to be respectful of this person's burial. And they closed it back and up. They and they reseal it back up. So mm-hmm. that's that's what I'm talking about, the balance between learn and respect. And,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, well yeah. and, and so to 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 bounce on that, Ben uh from Uncharted X has worked with some some folks in, in Egypt that he's made connections with and they sort of talk about have talked about on on some of the interviews that the guys he works with about sort of the stories that they had as Egyptian as the Egyptian people were very much disregarded by mm-hmm. the the mostly the British, but there were some yeah. you know, Germans, Germans and other people and other that came. Too. You know, uh, but What's but there European? was sort of, there you go. The Europeans that came in just sort of were like, "Well, we think that your story isn't. We think it's funny or weird or doesn't. We don't like it." Or you know, in the British imperialism Wrong. is trying to take over, and yeah, whatever. So they, and so you know, there's a lot of that stuff about like Zeptepi that that just sort of gets disregarded because it isn't in the in the the story that that we tell as the European. And it's, it's not a uniquely Egyptian thing either
1: because it no. is also a very much a, a West a Western Europe colonial thing. Mm. And part of what I mean by that is is they – in India, they completely dismissed the idea that these cities could have been sunk under the oceans. Yeah. And to the point where some of the Indian people were like, yeah, that's probably just a legend and it isn't real. And now they've found them. You know?
0: There's a name for it and I can't remember um, what it is now. But yeah. But there, there is so. There is feels like there's so much evidence. Not, at no point do I think we know the answer now. There's not enough evidence to know what happened. Dwarke. But I feel
1: Dwarke. what's that?
0: Dwarka. Mm, it's not the name I'm thinking of. Okay. There's another one. Okay, another right. lost land that's got a different name. Yeah. than I'm, that was I was thinking of. But I, I think what what I mean is we we're reaching the point now where there I feel like we've got at least enough evidence to go all right let's can we t- at least talk about this now you know like you have to be willing to concede at some level that that we don't know what happened and we need to really talk about this again
1: yeah here's how i here's how i look at it it's like all right we all need to circle up and say it's time to recalibrate Yes, It's time to recalibrate because it also doesn't dismiss any of the newer research of the most recent time because we don't know if these people died off. We don't know if these people went extinct. We don't know. I mean, so – and you and I were talking about this yesterday before we went and saw the comedy show. Uh, I was not expecting a highly philosophical discussion, but we got into one. And there's a lot of – these types of discussions that feel like the sides want to be binary. Yes. It's one way or the other. And I think there's a lot of gray. And I don't mean gray we don't know. But there's a lot where it might overlap and and interact. And and well, the answer is I not mean, necessarily like I definitely... A or B. It's, yeah. it's all of that in between.
0: I bet, you know... 12,000 years ago during the last time the ice bridge melted enough or formed enough, or I don't remember what it is, that the people migrated across that thing. Absolutely. I bet that they did. Yeah. But that doesn't discount the fact that people had migrated over it the last four times that had happened potentially, Absolutely. or had taken a boat. I mean, cause that's really the big thing that I think it's always <laughs> been is uh, at least what I remember was, well, obviously they didn't have boats. So therefore, the only way they could have gotten there is over this land bridge because this land bridge was uh, was impassable up until twelve thousand years ago. That and, must be the day they came over and, because we know people aren't thirty and forty and fifty thousand years. You know what I mean? And, like,
1: and and it does it doesn't mean that that something catastrophic didn't happen because I was remembering something, so I just looked it up. It's like, you know, we have the Clovis people, which is a a type of people and a genetic history that we have through some of the research around a particular type of tool. And, you know, and they're saying that they found them down into South America as well, but then they vanished 9,000 years ago and were replaced by a people with a different genetic ancestry. So does that mean they were wiped out? Does that mean there was a calamity? Does that mean that there was a little minor asteroid impact? Did, glo- did climate change kill him? Because let's be, let's be honest, right now this summer in Texas, if we didn't have AC, the death rate would be high. Yeah. And we're seeing that across the U.S. because the, the U.S. is facing this like global heat bloom bubble dome thing. And we're yeah. seeing people drop dead. I mean, and, and, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but there was a U.S. postal worker, mail carrier, that just fell over dead a heat stroke in, yeah. like, the Midwest somewhere. And, you know, uh, it's, it's, it's why the people in UPS are striking going, put AC in our trucks because yeah. it's an oven.
0: It's too um, hot, yeah. And
1: if we didn't have these modern things right now, the the young and the old would be – and the dehydrated would be dying in large numbers – because the climate is adapting. And and so a lot of these people could be right. And I think they're yeah. so worried about being right they don't want to hold on to or they don't want to accept new information.
0: Right. And I and I think I think so much of it is is I think I think there's too many questions for most people. I think that's what it is. It's not that it, we're going, all right, well here was the old story and here's the new one. We're going mm-hmm. the old story isn't work and who the hell knows what happened. We're going to have to figure yeah. it out. And I think I think the re- the that makes it harder for people potentially to let go of the story. You know, when you don't have something to replace it with,
1: it, it it brings me back to an old adage: is the more we learn, the less we know. Yeah. Right. The more data points we get, the more it breaks our assumed paradigm, and just leads to more questions. Yeah. Uh, and that's not which a which leads me thing. back
0: leads me back to the question, which is okay. So what now? What now? What's next?
1: What What's next is we need to start building out the timeline better and being and I, I think I think in a way what's next is what happened what has happened throughout our life with um, research into hominids. Yeah. Because you, when you and I were young, the rule was it was linear.
0: Yeah, it was, it was this one. Linear, was this to it, this to this. Yeah, and now it and looks now like a bush. Yeah, it's a tree. With, with,
1: with a lot of things that sprouted off and died and ended up not well. Going and, anywhere.
0: And we split from the Neanderthal and at some point clearly we, we came, came back. back together. Or yeah. or maybe we were interspersed the whole time. I don't
1: know. So maybe archaeology and the studies of the popul- – specifically the study around when pe- the Americas were populated can do something similar. And there can be blips and there can be blips and – We know through some genetic research, or at least the the theory is that at one point humans Homo sapiens got down to like three thousand people, right? Um, And then we bounced back from that, if I am remembering correctly. But there was
0: something like that.
1: um, So there is no reason to say that in the Americas they didn't do the same thing, and that also doesn't bring into where does the weird what is it Rh blood type. Like the R negative, R positive. Do you remember? No, nope. because we have the AB, AB, and and but then there's another subtype where we don't know where it comes from. But that, that's we can do that in another episode. I'll I'll read back up on it. Um,
0: yeah. So so it was seventy thousand years ago. Mm-hmm. So a long time ago, but well within the time frame. The we're time frame about. of of everything. Glo- uh, humanity's global population dropped down to only a few thousand individuals. One theory claims that there was a supervolcano in Indonesia that brought on an ice, a- ice age, but and, they're not—they're not sure at this point. And, but... and,
1: and you know, the Americas could have been completely and totally populated, and then whatever that event happened happened, and wiped mm-hmm. literally wiped them all out. Two thousand. They think it got down to two thousand people. Two thousand. Okay. Um, but that doesn't mean that we didn't have people over here who were just wiped off the map, right? Um,
0: well, and and take into account though that this study is based off essentially no North American data,
1: I, I, I because
0: yeah, we're not. No, no, no. I'm just. I'm. I'm. I'm adding. Like. Well, and- there could have been a split. The population that they were looking at could have dwindled down to 2,000 people in, uh, or I don't remember, you know some, some subcontinent, and somewhere else, there could have been an entirely separate, you know different. And,
1: and, and, and let us not take into account that when it comes to like history by genetics, the United States is guilty of mass genocide. Um, and so are the Europeans for coming over here and bringing disease, wiping out you know millions upon millions upon tens of millions of people um so there's a lot of data that's been lost and and those populations yeah. are much smaller now and a lot of them have intermingled with europeans and people from other places
0: but well i mean imagine imagine if that's what that was the population dropped down to 2000 because the neanderthals came through brought some plague in mm-hmm. killed everybody all. it could have been the same kind of thing you know cuz there's uh Hancock talks about the there was a French monk or something who went down through down the Amazon rainforest down the Amazon River uh, mm-hmm. and wrote about all the stuff that he saw and then nobody could find it you know because they killed them all accidentally mm-hmm. you know they wiped them all out but like there was something there there was something huge there and how mm-hmm. long does it take for something that big to to show up and is it a hundred and thirty thousand years? Like well, and, and and this is something
1: that's always struck with me. Stuck with me. Um, I remember in, in taking a history class in college, and the the history professor says that uh, you know when when Cortez landed in Mexico, mm-hmm. the estimated population of what is today Mexico was twenty five million people, mm-hmm. and then when Cortez was done after the disease and the war and the conquering. Mexico didn't reach twenty-five million people until nineteen fifty. Yeah, so it took almost five hundred years to repopulate that country. It's crazy. Yeah. Um. So there's just there's big gaps in the data. That's really yeah, where I'm getting absolutely. at. There's big gaps in the data, and so we need to be we need to be willing to come together for any of these studies and say, okay, there's big gaps in the data. Let's, let's plug in what we do respectfully.
0: Yeah. And, well, and, I also think there needs to be, we need to go back and look at the old data and all the people that got laughed out of blackball. Yeah. Yeah. And go yeah. back and go, okay, so what were you saying? And, and what, okay. So you, you said you found something that's a, you know, <laughs> the Cerruti mastodon thing like they, they you guys are crazy 130,000 yeah, years but I, I
1: may be wrong about this but i'm i'm remembering like a charlton H- heston um abc special on maybe it was giants or something it's something it was something giants. that he did but but mm-hmm. it was it was something he did that talked about archaeology in some way shape or form that charlton heston <laughs> was the host of yeah yeah he did i a bunch think of those. i think it's i think it's that one and i remember um a, a woman archaeologist studying somewhere in Mexico and finding mm-hmm. something and dating it and it dating back and they expected it to date back like 2,000 years or 3,000 years or 4,000 years or something like that. And it dated back like twenty five or 30,000 years and she was encouraged to not publish the data and she published the data in the scientific journals and then her career was over. Like she had to leave archaeology because she couldn't get a job. Yeah. Because it was so different than all the other accepted data. And then the government came in and shut down the dig site. And they've never let anybody dig there again. Right. Um, so, and I know it's very anecdotal. And, and, and I no, be... I'm,
0: I was looking to see if I could find something and I, I yeah. couldn't. I mean. I did find some of the references that were made in that paper. the The Chix, I can't pronounce it, the Chichiguate cave. Um, they found thirty thousand year old t- uh, tools. It's in Mexico, and mm-hmm. then the the twenty three thousand year old footprints. Yeah, in uh, in New Mexico as well. I mean,
1: yeah. What what did they used to call these? Uh, what's the book that I just gave you? The like historical anomalies. Yeah, Uh, the orange orange book that I I stumbled across that apparently is worth a a, a ton of money compared to what I paid for it. Uh, Strange
0: Artifacts. Yeah, Strange Artifacts. There's a second volume of this that we're going to have to try to find.
1: Yeah, the difference is I found that one for 10 bucks, and when we found the other one on the internet, it was over $100.
0: I know. Yeah, we'll have to keep looking. But I mean, this gets into all sorts of stuff about like hinges and structures and but uh, all I meant Dol- was like oh, anomalous, uh, anomalous, yeah, anomalous uh, artifacts and, and stuff. And this is probably what we should go start with this. The this book he, he refers to it as the the tailings of of science. Mm-hmm. Um, the guy who compiled that all the stuff that just sort of gets left by the wayside when they when they go fit. through things. It doesn't it, fit. It does fit. And so I think we've reached the point now where there's enough things that don't fit that have actual science behind them that support that I I think.
1: I was just thinking science should not be like a IKEA or IKEA furniture or Chinese toy that says some assembly required that you end up with like eight (laughs) extra parts left over. Science shouldn't throw away the eight extra parts. I mean, it should be trying to right. figure out how those eight extra parts fit into it. Because <laughs> and, unless the Stone Age people or Copper Age people were making s- s- extra parts, and and you know, and that happens too. Um, and what I mean by that is, we have found, uh, you know, my family specifically, walking around Central Texas, have found like failed attempts to make an arrowhead or a spearhead point. Yeah. Where someone's doing the flint napping and they hit it just wrong and it breaks and now it's useless, so they just toss it off to the side. So they do, you do end up with that detritus. Um, yeah, as you're and making and sometimes
0: those. the things that that happen, you look at and you go, okay, well that that doesn't make sense, but we'll just set it aside. Mm-hmm. But there's other things that you look at and you go, well that doesn't make sense. But it also disproved something else. So that mm-hmm. I, I'm not going to disprove. You know, I, I set aside the I've showed you the giant slab of glass. Right. The the I think so. The bell Like, yeah. it's this gigantic, yeah. like, you know, giant thick sheet of glass. And like, well, they they made you know, this is like it's like the big piece. You would like break it up into little pieces and then you'd heat that stuff up to make like a glass piece it's like a mm-hmm. industrial process you make a big sheet of this to and then you break it up and, you would,
1: and roll the other glass and then you would yeah.
0: take the chunks of that little pieces of it and you then that's what you would then use this is like the first stage and so they're just like well this was how they did it and you're going and they they do the math on it they're like yeah but it would take so much wood and so much time and like it's so inefficient to make one this big with the Method that they were using You know that we think they were using and so you have to Sort of like alright well clearly They were you know you have to sort of set it aside And just go like we don't have a date for it who knows How old it is like we just have to to Leave it and maybe some point We'll, we'll, find, a, we'll find An answer for it but when you find Giant sloth bones mm-hmm. And they've got beautiful Holes cut through the middle of them They've clearly been worked And They've got a date. You can't set well, that aside.
1: And and you know I'm going to bring up another another known fact in American history and archaeology. Right, um, we know that Native Americans before Columbus didn't use metal. Right, there was no metal work right. done. Except for the fact that there are thousands of copper mining pits that have been found along the shores of Lake Superior uh, and on Royal Island, and they date it back as far far back as 8,000 years ago. And the copper was mined and then made into objects such as heavy spear points and tools of all kinds. So metalworking was developing on its own – now I have theories around this. Um, in Native Americas, but I think this may have been an offshoot of. Uh, well, no, no, this predate. Never mind. Never mind. My theory's stupid, um, because of the timing doesn't work out. But you know, and copper's easy. To be fair, copper's easy to manipulate. You don't need much heat, right? You you can do it in a campfire, you right? Do it in a campfire. Um, but the development of copper is huge. Now it didn't spread didn't spread across the Americas. We weren't finding copper-armed natives throughout most of the Americas. It was mostly stone. And, you know, I think there's some reasons behind that, and we can go back to Otzi the Iceman, right? Yep. Um, He had a copper axe head. Yeah. However, his day-to-day tools, his arrowheads, his knives were all stone. Right. Because the stone stays sharp. You don't have to sharpen the stone or you don't have to sharpen the stone as often. And as someone who is an avid outdoorsman, I have, I have hunted, I have fished my whole life, done a lot of bushcrafty camping type things. One of the things that we spend a huge amount of time doing is sharpening our cutting tools, right? Because there's nothing more dangerous than a dull knife or a dull axe. Um, so,
0: yes, you the have to is think, more advanced, but is it better? Well, you'd also have to think that you have different tools for different tasks. Mm-hmm. And, you know, a copper axe is great for defending yourself against a person, you know, perhaps, or or cutting something oh, down and, that you need to. And, and maybe but you maybe, still. Yeah, I was going to say. But maybe you don't want to. Go you may have mine. limited copper, and so you don't want yes. to put copper on your arrows that you might not get back. Like if you shoot it into an animal and it takes off, off exactly, you've uh, lost your arrow. So you can make you got more rocks.
1: Yeah, and know. it's easy, and it was easier to find the flint. It was literally just laying around. Um, right. But maybe that maybe the heavy copper spearheads were what they used to kill the mastodons. You know. Yeah. Um, who knows? Uh, or or, or a, 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 a to defend against a bear. Or something like that, you know. It was, but or, I, I, or it was the best hunter got it.
0: Yeah,
1: right. Because there's there's a tradition of that throughout human history, that the I, best person gets the best tool.
0: That's true. I I think we've reached so the one of the big things I hear I hear Graham Hancock talk sort of complain about I guess would be the not really complain but critique. sort of he critiques r- critique about. is that that when the research that we're doing, the archaeology that's being done, is very arbitrary. It's sort of done as developments and we're building things and, and that sort of stuff, and, which is totally fair. I mean, we should. We should be doing that. But I, I think we've reached the point, and I think the technology, as far as computers go, has reached the point that I think we need to start crowdfunding archaeology research. Like we need to, you need to find some archaeologist who's got some harebrained idea about why he thinks there's going to be something in this particular location, or just can't he get needs, the funding. He just can't get the well, grant. For so he needs what twenty thousand dollars? I mean, we critical role raised eleven million dollars from sixty six thousand people. You can't tell me that there aren't fifty thousand people in the United States of America who aren't willing to throw a hundred dollars at some some guy who wants to go dig something up because he thinks he's you know I mean like. That there's, there's gotta be a way to do this, that we can't we, we you know, or yeah. we need to get somebody like Elon, or hey, but he's so controversial. Somebody with a bunch yeah, of money, get like you said, Ryan Reynolds he, who just bought himself a soccer team. Like, let's get yeah. somebody famous who's got an investment. Uh, well, in and, this. and and and,
1: and we, you, I I like more what you said in the beginning because if one person is funding it, <laughs> we then have. The potential for an agenda and bias to come in. Um and here's here's all I meant by that. Here's all I mean by this. I like the crowdfunding idea better because fifty thousand people throwing a hundred dollars at something is five million dollars. And my understanding is five million dollars
0: is a lot of archaeology. It's a lot. So reduce it. So you could, I mean, so just say everybody's $25, then you're, then it's, then, you know, then it's even less. It's still a couple, it's still gotta be a million bucks at least or one and a half. Uh, one and a quarter, (sighs) one and a quarter. So yeah, again, that's a ton of money to do. You could do multiple research things with that. So, you know, it feels like a missed opportunity. I keep, one of those things that we should I be, keep crowd, thinking, we like, should
1: be gra- crowdfunding things other than video games and games and critical role and that we should still be doing that. Yeah, um, but uh, you know, um, I, I and obviously science is things is,
0: are things are tight for people and the economy absolutely. is tight for all of us. But at the same time, like,
1: dude, if if we could get fifty thousand people <laughs> to give a buck,
0: that's fifty thousand dollars would be a lot. That would be a lot of money for some, so yeah, that that may be the thing. Maybe, maybe that's what we need to do. We need to find some archaeologist who wants to it, do a project and
1: yeah, contact us. We'll figure out the text yeah at the end of it of how we figure out this crowdfunding thing. Um, you know, I want to talk to the Galt site people more.
0: Um,
1: yeah, I mean that's the thing. Like, do know, they
0: need money to further do research? Do they need money or like how, how like? And I was maybe that's what we should do.
1: I was reading something interesting, and the with the Galt site thing, and it was an interview, and I don't remember if it was the head or the head who's leaving or whatever. Mm -hmm. But he said he's like, "Look, I've got something like a half a million artifacts and nine full time staff. It's taking me forever to get through all this stuff. So it's not even necessarily the digging out of the stuff." the staff, it's the, it's proce- the people. Well, it's the processing of the things that they have found,
0: and the number of trained people to do it. Yeah. Right. Um. So I mean, that's what the thing. You got to set up some. Like, I know they have a like the the Galt site has a way that you can donate. To yes, them, they do. You know, but, so you can.
1: But their PR department sucks. And I don't mean that yeah. as an insult. I mean, like no, we I accidentally stumbled across it. Because it's just a little website, and it yeah, is
0: groundbreaking, and it's around the corner from us.
1: You know, paradigm shifting data in the world of the peopling of America, and it's not splashed all over National Geographic and the Smithsonian, and you know, uh, no one's done a special on it. And I, I, I don't know how to make a documentary. I know it takes time, money, energy, and effort. And I don't have the skill set for it. But if you're listening to us and you are a documentary filmmaker or an aspiring documentary filmmaker, contact us. Yeah, and let's we're do something. To get, we're working to get in contact with people from the Galt site. I would love to be part of even getting that started. And let people know that this thing exists, Graham Hancock. If you're listening, have you looked at the Galt <laughs> site? Have you talked I'm about sure. it?
0: He has. He has. has they, he? Okay, he, okay. And, he and I remember the last time. Maybe it was just Randall, but I remember when Ra- one of them and either Randall because he was like, "We were just up at the thing up north," and I think that's how I figured out it was Is there because he just there. sort of like mentioned it, and I was like, It "Was probably Wait a minute, an ancient
1: apocalypse." In- Research or something, yeah.
0: It was – I was like, wait, he's talking – he's in Austin. What do you mean up around the corner? And I was like, looked it up, and I was like, oh, my goodness, look, there it is. That
1: must be how we found it. Yeah. Um, But, you know, this is not (laughs) – aliens came down from the other planet and did this. This is not Mm -hmm. an advanced human uh, time frame uh, with computers and stuff. And I also think that's another thing we need to address, when we say advanced civilization, everybody, I think, what I, I What I mean like, is
0: not hunter-gatherers. That's what I mean. I mean not hunter-gatherers. I mean villages work, you know... Well, I think la- we I mean, take it a step further. You can have
1: a hunter-gatherer-based civilization that is still advanced. Yes, and I'm that's gonna, fair. I'm going to refer specifically to the group of tribes that helped influence like how we had our constitution. They met regularly in the North. What were they called in the Northeast? Um, like the, uh, uh, what was the name of the tribes? The,
0: do you know what letter it starts with up North? Um, they were in the Northeast,
1: no, not India. Uh, it doesn't matter I, I know this I, there was a group of like um, there was a group of tribes that had treaties and peace treaties worked out and yes they did they did roam some they did have some hunter gathering but they also had some agriculture that they did and you know they didn't they hadn't built stone walls right they, there wasn't a lot of stone structure there was a lot of stuff. You know, a lot of the northeastern tribes is, is what I'm getting at. There was there was yeah. a lot of politics, intercommunication, but we still think of them as a primitive culture. And I'm like, they had everything that's not primitive. I mean, they right. were advanced. They, they some of their theories on you know, um, constitution type documents that they had put together, some of the peace treaties, some of the interaction and the politics we as advanced as what the Greeks were doing. yeah. So now if they choose to live a hunter-gatherer lifestyle, but they're still that advanced, there's nothing wrong with that. Because I've also seen, seen evidence, evidence um, in, in the study the, of some of the hunter gathering tribes um, in Africa that they have more leisure hours per day per, per calorie intake. Than yeah.
0: anyone who lives in the Western world. Yeah, they work about three to four hours a day in the, the morning, day. and that's and then usually they, it. Then they yeah, like,
1: the I, unless they
0: like take down a big animal, and then the day yeah. is spent butchering the animal and stuff like that. But yeah.
1: there, there are times they have more time expenditure.
0: The average yes,
1: average daily life is not. You know, they're, they're not putting 60 hours a week into the grind mm-hmm. to pay their bills. And um, and if you want to know what I'm talking about, go watch the film The Gods Must Be Crazy. Um, <laughs> it is one of the best movies ever made uh, and, and shows how things can change and influence stuff. Uh, and it's just a great, great film. But we've got to redefine in our minds what advanced
0: society means. Yeah, absolutely. And that's, and so that's where we are. So, and so let's, we're going to wrap it on, on like, what, what do we do next?